Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett, coming to you live on tape from Marfa, Texas. This week on the show, we're going to talk about the debut of two brand new MLS franchises, New York City FC and Orlando City. The two teams met last Sunday in an exciting matchup. New York went ahead early with a goal from U.S. national team midfielder Mix Disgrude. And then, in the 80th minute, Orlando's Aurelian Collin was sent off, and the game looked to be over. That is, until Brazilian international Kaká scored from a free kick minutes later to earn a point for the home side. To talk about the game this week, we welcome back Guy Yedwa, a season ticket holder for NYCFC. Guy was last on the big game to discuss Arsenal's victory over Hull City in Episode 2. Arsenal have now advanced to the semifinals of the FA Cup, so if you haven't already, give that previous conversation a listen. In our Correction of the Week column, Davidson is actually Davidson College, not Davidson University, and seven teams have won the NCAA tournament with undefeated records, uh, not the zero that I previously thought. And the last of those teams was Indiana in 1976. Uh, Some others among that list were UNC and like a bajillion UCLA's. Now let's talk to Guy about some American soccer. Hey, Guy, thanks for coming back on The Big Game. Pleasure, pleasure to be back, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward uh, to getting into this great game. Well, it seems like every time I have you on, uh, Arsenal wins an FA Cup match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that continues to be a pattern for many, many years. Yeah, we'll, we'll try it for the next month, too, to see, see if it works. But we're not here to, today to talk about the FA Cup or English soccer. Um, instead, we're going to talk about good old American soccer. Um, we're going to talk about the MLS's two newest franchises, New York City FC, uh, of which you are a season ticket holder, and Orlando City SC um, in their first ever game against each other, as well as their first ever games, period, as a major league franchise. So there were 60,000 sold-out Orlando City fans at the Citrus Bowl uh, this past Sunday, and you know it they watched a pretty thrilling 1-1 draw. Um, what was your initial take on the game? What did you think of the debut from these two teams? Yeah, so it's interesting. This is, you know, their first, both teams' first appearance in Major League Soccer and, you know, their first official league game against each other. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, they met in a preseason friendly in the Carolina Challenge Cup, which is just a, a local set of exhibition matches that had, you know, these two teams, another MLS team and a USL team, which is second tier soccer. So uh, I actually had the pleasure of being there in person uh, with maybe 400 or 500 other people. Um, And it was interesting to see how almost the same game played out uh, as did in Carolina. It's interesting because up until this point, both teams are largely, you know, theories and hypotheses and rumors. You have a bunch of star players, you have seasoned veterans, you have a lot of young talent and they've come, they've played some preseason sort of practice matches with a little bit of a competitive edge. And and now for the first time you see them against each other. Um, So I think there was a lot of drama and a lot of 
awesomeness that maybe the one one draw scoreline uh kind of undersells but i was very excited i was very excited by the game and if it had ended at minute 89 i would have been even more ecstatic but <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> but uh, as a new york city FC fan that last that last couple minutes was yeah yeah was, well, was... welcome to being a, a soccer fan in new york uh that's that's a typical red bulls game there for you so uh welcome yeah, and it was interesting because the the preseason match between the two teams was also a one one draw. That also the goal that Orlando City got was through a, a similar style moment where you know uh, the New York City FC defense kind of fell in on itself, but they did it in Orlando in the uh, in the preseason match. They they collapsed in on themselves at minute thirty four, <laughs> and and equalized at minute eighty nine. <laughs> So it kind of played out in reverse. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about let's talk about the play of the game, because, you know, the first 45 minutes or so of this game, Orlando was very clearly in charge. Um, They they kept better possession than New York, I think. Um, But they were also really strong in the midfield. They turned the ball over quite a bit and then were able to spring counterattacks, kind of led through Kaká, the Brazilian international. Um, And and they, you know, they gave Josh Saunders a run for his money in those first 45 minutes. Um, And I think New York was really lucky to get out of that half um, unscathed. Um, And so uh, what did you think of the debut of Orlando City and their style of play? And kind of, did, did you think New York was prepared for them? Um, or did you think that, you know, the draw was, was well-deserved uh, by New York? I think the draw was, was well-deserved. I think that both teams have some really great assets and some really glaring flaws that we got to see play out over the course of the game. Um, for Orlando City, they have a really great and aggressive set of attacking players. Um, Kaká, you know, leading that front line. Uh, you know, Breck Shea coming up, you know, from the defense. Uh, and a number of their you know, maybe less well-known, but equally uh, interesting to watch. Uh, Iguaita is one. Um, uh, Molino is another. Rivas, who had incredible pace. But it also proved to kind of trip them up. I mean, in the first half, I think Rivas was offside five, six times. I mean, you know, he was so fast behind the defenders, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, sure sure of the timing on that. So Orlando was very aggressive and, and pushed forward, but were also making some kind of inexperienced mistakes that would that kept them from really dominating the game. Meanwhile, New York City FC, I think, played a lot more tentatively. Uh, they have a different style of play that involves a lot more circulating the ball and, and you know, a lot less direct attack, um, which works well, except for those moments where suddenly there are they give away too close to their own goal and it falls on a, a kind of shaky back line mm-hmm. uh, that I think they need to they need to strengthen up if they want to be serious contenders this season. Yeah, New York looked really organized and they. Looked- looked skillful on the ball um you know kind of once they would get possession they kind of kept it and they would string together some nice passes i thought mixed disgrude uh really impressed in his first game like goal notwithstanding um but it seemed like when they got into the final third they couldn't find davi via their striker or they just didn't have um much of a point to the attack once they got down there. And so it, it kind of felt like they were maybe since they were on the road, first game, short preseason, guys aren't, you know, haven't meshed yet. It seemed like they were very clearly playing for the draw. 
I, I think that it it's partly that. I think, um, you know, Jason Christ, who's the coach, you know, he, he's a very strategic and tactical person. And I think when I saw the lineup and I saw how they were playing, I, I also got the sense that they would be happy. I mean, you know, this is on Orlando's home turf, 80,000 or 60 or 80,000 in the bowl. I mean, yeah, screaming 60,000. 60, yeah. Uh, I mean, which, I mean, for a major league soccer match is incredible. And, not just having that many people, but they're so passionate. Their fans are so, so, you know, rabid. It's a great atmosphere. You could them. hear the songs in the background. They, they were really well organized and really alive. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think it was a little that they were tentative, but I also think that um, tactically, mm-hmm. um, I, I, we, what's interesting, right, is you have these two stars on, on, uh, NYCFC, you have David Villa, and on Orlando City, you have Kaká. And when I was in Carolina and I saw them in person, the first thing that struck out at me is that Kaká doesn't necessarily look it, but he's much, much bigger than the people around him. <laughs> and David Villa is a, is a small forward. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, what happened a lot was David Villa and um, Adam Nemec was the uh, other striker that was playing with him. They would wind up both being towards the center, and neither one of them could could kind of shrug off Orlando's back line. So you wind up ha- getting forward and then having being really congested in the center. A ball might come to David Villa, and then David Villa would fall over because he would be overpowered <laughs> by Collins in the back line. We'll get there. So, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yes, the the falling will will definitely come up. But what I was going to say is, you know, I, I was watching the, the fans on Facebook, and by the fiftieth minute, they were screaming for Nemec to come off. I think he he really needs some work to figure out how to partner with David Villa. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, he didn't come off. But what they did was they brought on nineteen uh, year old uh, Kyrie Shelton, who uh, was a first round draft pick so a young guy brand new to this league but uh in the 1-1 draw uh that i saw in carolina he was the one who scored the equalizer and in this game the moment he came on nycfc had a lot more bite and a lot more width because they played him on the wing and so he got forward you know he stretched that and he wasn't involved in the 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 goal as much but he crossed the ball in it wound up getting to david via the other wing and then david via brought it to the center to discord and so they finally were playing with some width and that's what got them to to finally score but i agree i think uh at, for, certainly for the first 60 minutes of the game when it was via and Nemec, they there wasn't that bite to get through. Yeah, I think it'll probably take them some time to figure it out, but I'm I'm sure they'll adapt. And, and I think it's probably going to take Davi Villa a little bit of time to adapt to the MLS because, you know, here's a guy who's coming from La Liga, which is kind of like uh, the least defensive, like least physical of, of like the big professional football leagues. Um, and I think it's going to, take him maybe a couple of months to kind of get get used to uh being put on his ass by some like mls tough guy rookies yeah i think so i'm optimistic that he'll make that adjustment because he just came from atletico madrid where um they got to the final in the champions league they won la liga over real madrid and and barcelona which is almost unhearable and (laughs) atletico was a team that understood physicality (laughs) that was how they beat teams that were a lot more so i think he i i think actually it's less about him and more about the people who are partnering with him because you know 
in comparison with other stars, he, he's not the kind of star who is a one-man show and builds everything himself. I mean, with Atletico Madrid, his strike partner was Diego Costa. He was, you know, very quick and very intelligent, and Diego Costa was a bulldozer. And yeah. when you paired them together, they could get things done. Well, uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting point because, and then if you go back a few years more, his strike partner was Lionel Messi at Barcelona. So, I don't know, I mean, do you think maybe he needs... Uh, he needs the goal scorer around him uh, to maybe be his most effective self. Do you think New York City has that player? And is that player maybe somehow Frank Lampard, even though he doesn't you know, fit that description? Yeah, I think I think there's a few different ways that you could address it. I mean, one one would be, um, you know, to get someone who's really powerful and, and goes through, which, to be fair, you know, I, I kind of thought Adam Nemec would be that player and he wasn't. Um, the other option is to get more pace at the wings, which I think is where Kyrie Shelton um, comes into play. Uh, I get the reason that, that he's not starting is because he's a 19-year-old first-round draft pick. And so, you know, the, the question is, is he is he ready? But yeah. in the performances I've seen, he certainly seems as ready as anyone who's on the field. Um, and then, you know, you, you referenced uh, the big question that hangs over NYCFC is, uh, one of their, you know, designated player spots went to Frank Lampard, who is an incredible playmaker, an incredible person to help unlock space. Um, so it will be interesting to see um, when he arrives midway through the season in the summer. You know, the, the big question is, uh, you know, right now the play, the spot that he might fill into is where Mixed Discrude is, and Mixed Discrude is the one who scored the goal, and I think also has the capacity to play there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period now, and then later you get this big, you know, big star power that comes in midway through the season, and there may need to be a second adjustment process. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be particularly difficult for them because I've, I've seen this with my you know experience with the New York Red Bulls following that team. I remember when Thierry Henry came into the league about five years ago, uh, and he was you know forced to fit into a team that had already gelled quite well. Um, their leading scorer was Juan Pablo Angel, who led the team um, up to that point in his career and most goals all time. Um, and you know he had a pretty difficult uh, couple of months trying to find a way to kind of ingratiate himself uh, with the other players and kind of, you know, figure out who's who and, and who likes to play what kind of way. Um, and ultimately, you know, they got knocked out of the first round of the playoffs because they couldn't they couldn't really figure it out um, in that short, you know, couple of three, three and a half months or so. So I, I imagine NYCFC, you know, an expansion team, everyone is trying to get to know each other. Um, and then introducing Lampard, who's just come off of, Maybe not a grueling season on the bench at Manchester City, but but a, a tough full English season regardless. Um, it's it's probably going to take them a little bit of time, and it and it might not be this year um, that they figure it out. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, the other thing in terms of this team and its growth is um, at, at current moment, you know, each team gets three of those designated player spots where they can bring in a star and, and you know, really goose up their team. And interestingly, uh, NYCFC is still holding on to their third, you know, big spending slot. So there's been rumors flying around about Javi Hernandez. There's been rumors flying around about 
uh, Daniela De Rossi. Um, so they may not use it this summer. They may wait, wind up waiting until you know the preseason uh, for next year. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they introduce you know yet another component into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really hope it's Daniela De Rossi because as a defensive midfielder, I think he can help lock down a back line that right now really looks like it needs help. Yeah, he, he could play the Kyle Beckerman role. Yes. Yeah. I, I, so, you know, Jason Christ, you know, comes from his experience with Real Salt Lake and he's bringing that same, you know, diamond midfield system that was very successful there, but it relied on those players. Um, he's been very lucky to bring over, uh, you know, Grabovoy and uh, Chris Wingert. Um, from the, the 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 spine of that team, but I, I think uh, other players are not used to playing into that system, and so it's it's uh, it's a tougher ask than some of the more traditional systems that are out there. Yeah, I, I imagine they'll get there fairly quickly. Uh, but so let's talk about the, uh, just a couple of the other the big stars on both of these teams, the two Americans, the two uh, American internationals, Mix Discord, who, as you mentioned, got the goal for New York in this game. Um, and Breck Shea, who's now playing left back for Orlando City. Um, what, do, what do you think of these two guys coming into the game? Like, did, Is this their chance to kind of maybe get more, more starting minutes in, in kind of a better competitive uh, place and secure their spots on the national team? Um, or do you think, like a lot of people, this was maybe a step back for these two American players? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's been that dichotomy that to a certain extent gets eaten more aggressively, you know, becomes a pro or against because, you know, the coach of the national team, Jurgen Klinsmann, says, you know, the best route to development is, you know, the tougher competition that you could get uh, in Europe. Um, whereas coming to America is 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 kind of being a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Um, I think that especially when you look at the matchup and the lineup that that those players were playing in in this game, you know, for for Breck Shea to be you know defending against uh, you know the, the a World Cup player, a Champions League finalist, a, a winner of La Liga, um, you know, even if he is you know a little bit older than he was. A year ago but you know it, it's still very quality whereas you know previously they were at mid-table english teams or, or playing in norway and uh, i really think this is a chance for them to step up to grow to be really senior leaders on their team um you know one of the things i thought was interesting right is is mixed discrude is kind of the at, at at the playmaking spot and, and really the one who's making a lot happen uh, for the team. Um, and he's actually, funnily enough, roommates with Kerry Shelton, the 19-year-old rookie. And so I think Mix is really taking up a lot of that leadership within the team, which is something that is, I think, going to help develop these players, taking the step from you know, I'm I'm a I'm a footballer who's trying to break into a team and play my best game versus that extra step of being a leader, helping to organize the squad, helping to to really you know uh, take that next step career-wise. So I think it's a great move for those Americans. Um, I think in terms of their performance on the field, I love watching Mix Discord play. He's one of the things that makes me most happy about NYCFC, and I feel that Breck Shea is both really exciting and it's also a coin flip as to whether he's going to pull out something really great or really, really put <laughs> un unneeded pressure on his own team. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with all of those sentiments uh, exactly. I mean, watching Mix in this game, 
he he definitely seemed like the linchpin uh, for for New York when when they had opportunities. Um, and his goal was a beautiful curler from almost outside the box that was just wonderful to watch. And Breck Shea, I think Orlando was really putting a lot of their offense down the left wing, um, and he was very, very involved. Um, he had a couple, like, you know, nice little tricks that he did, a little, like, you know, uh, behind-the-back pass um, that, that was impressive. And he had a couple of nice crosses in, although nothing... Uh, that ended up being that threatening. But I think over the course of the season, uh, as far as he goes, Orlando City's going to go. Um, he and Kaká, I think those are the two that are going to really you know, spur wins for that team, which I think I actually think they're going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, I, I think the difference between Kaká and every other person we've mentioned, whether it's David via Discord or Shea, is that Kaká is a difference maker where, you know, both the goal I saw in, in Carolina as well as the goal, you know, in this game, you know, it was kind of off of a set piece. But Kaká is the one player that you saw during that game who, when the ball was at his feet, he could make something happen himself. Yeah. Without needing anyone else's. I mean, he can bulldoze people. He can also pull a trick move to completely hoodwink. I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see. It's uh, definitely shades of Thierry Henry for me. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see whether that enthusiasm and that way of moving forward still works when they hit tougher competition. Because, you know, I think NYCFC is is a good place to start, but it's it's not the level of competition of when they face Seattle Sounders, the reigning supporters' shield uh, holders, or when they go up against, you know, a full-strength New England revolution. And um, I think the, the danger that Orlando City has, um, which I think might be a good place to talk about the diving, is in their, <laughs> um, the psychological aspects of their play, which was kind of shocking to me uh their discipline yeah what was it like three yellow cards for simulation oh i had i had five or more i mean i i've never seen so much i I watch a lot of european soccer i feel like the referee was was shocked at how many how much i think think it was three it was breck shea kevin molino and christian aguita uh all got yellow carded for dives not to say that there weren't more dives but the other ones just weren't called yeah, that that could be. I was. I might have just been watching the number of dives I saw. They were all <laughs> But I mean, you know, it, it, it's partly that it was a lot of players who are new to MLS, and you know, in their domestic leagues, that this might be, you know, more of a component of it. But I, I also felt that it was just. Uh, uh, they were so over exuberant and so pushing to to get through anything. Um, it's not panic because they weren't really being pushed that hard. It's just real over exuberance and we're going to shut down every ball, no matter what it takes. We're going to, we're going to push for that penalty, no matter what it takes. I'm going to run for that ball, even though I'm yards offside Um, and, and seeing it happen over and over again, you know, you wonder if they hit a really stiff competition like a Seattle Sounders, will they just implode and get carved to pieces by some real veterans? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, all right. So, Considering all of that, who was your player of the game? I think we're both on the same page about this. I think it absolutely has to be NYCFC's goalkeeper, Josh Saunders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched a bunch of soccer this weekend, and I, it was a whole weekend of all of the most horrific injuries I've seen. Um, I was watching a Serie A game where a player sn- snapped both of his 
uh, shin bones, uh, and literally just jumping and landing on his leg, but with a lot of force. Uh, I was already noticing all of these injuries, but when, when Josh Saunders jumped in the air to stop an errant ball and got knocked by the, uh, the Orlando player straight into his own post head first and then decided to play, you know, to, to keep playing after the medics had checked him out and made sure that he didn't have a concussion. I was like, wow, this guy's a trooper. When he then in the second half got kicked in the exact same spot <laughs> on his head and blood was streaming off his face and in the middle between those two hits, had blocked a screaming, amazing shot from Kaká that absolutely should have been the opening goal of the game. Um, I was just impressed all around. He he really seemed like a veteran. He really seemed, in, in a back line that was very shaky, he really seemed to inspire a lot of confidence. Um, and I hope he can bring some of that to the rest of the uh the rest of the back line. Yeah, Josh Saunders is definitely my player of the game for for all of the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, if not for for one reason specifically, is that when he got that second kick to the head, or you know, the kick to the head in the same spot he hit it earlier and started bleeding, uh, he looked just like a pro wrestler uh, in a match, bleeding for the audience. So, and then to just to keep playing, I wish the, I wish the medics would have just kind of. Uh, left his head bloody so that he could have, you know, kept playing and we would have had these, like, really awesome images of it. But I guess, you know, it's unsanitary, so. Yeah, I think they don't, they don't let that happen. But, well, speaking of bloody shirts and violence and concussions, uh, let's talk about Aurelian Collin, Orlando City's center back, uh, who, a, a vicious, vicious tackle on Davi Villa, who has a history of, you know, being out of commission for a broken leg, uh, is is given a red card in the 83rd minute of this game. And I was thinking, you know, I, I've i never liked watching this guy play uh, from uh-huh. his time at Sporting Kansas City. He always just seems like a bad guy. And, and it occurred to me yesterday is he's a Bond villain, but he's not the mastermind, right? This He's the lackey that gets taken out in two seconds by James Bond. And I think yeah. in this game, he's still living up to his villainous. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, I, I, when I saw that play happen, I wondered if uh, in hockey there's the there's the tradition of the enforcer, you know, the the person that you put on the team to to go and hurt people, and I wonder if at some point someone told him that's what a center back is. Um, <laughs> Because I, I didn't feel like he was trying to injure David Villa, but I felt like he he felt that, well, you know, this is the person I've been told can't have the ball, so at all costs, this person will not have the ball. And if they don't have legs, you know, that's that's part of it. To me, the, the thing that made it go past the, okay, that was a stupid challenge, was, and I know every player does this, but the look of surprise and him on the touchline arguing with the fourth referee, or, or not the fourth referee, the linesman, was you you had to have known that that was going to be at the very least a yellow card but almost certainly a red card that guy is so oblivious i think he's just a moron i think he's just like like a dumb moron that doesn't know any better uh and should probably be put down i i think this guy this is a guy that probably should not be playing professional soccer cuz he has like a history of like violent play and like to go against a guy that is well known for having broken his leg in a match before with that kind of high tackle in like that spot that's going to break a leg i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he is suspended for the next game if not like the next couple of games 
Yeah, and if it doesn't happen this time, it will happen the next time because you, you can tell that that's the way he plays, uh, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be uh, a liability for Orlando uh, unless they can you know really drill in some discipline that we're not seeing right now. Yeah, Taylor Twellman had a great comment during the game yesterday where he was saying uh, center back is a position that just about every team in the league needs one of. Um, which which seems about right if we have our Aurelian Collins still left. Yeah, yeah, and and for everything we've said about Aurelian Collins, I mean the the center backs uh, that New York City Football Club had were you know uh, not not yet what was required either. So I, I certainly think there's weakness, but you know it's very different and, than Aurelian Collins play. Yeah, and well, on a much uh, smaller scale of villainy. Uh, Jeb Brovsky's mustache curling up at the end. I just it it's got to go. I can't. Uh, I, can't I disagree. It. I think I think you're going to see that NYCFC pushes the envelope and continue because you know you're 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 noticing Brovsky's mustache. His hair is also pretty <laughs> pretty intense. He's playing right behind Grabovoy, whose haircut is also pretty intense. Mix Discord. I don't know if you noticed, but right before he gets the ball on the goal scoring tack on the on, on the goal that mm-hmm. he scores, he straightens his hair. So he's he's <laughs> almost as though he stopped playing for a moment like you see a player do every once in a while he, he's standing he pushes his hair back and then he sees that david Villa is about to pass him the ball and he's back into playing mode and he scores a goal so i think there's something about this like 70s american style um that they <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if it starts to go further and some of these other players start to start to compete on that score um and i'm very excited for it it's the perfect team for new york i, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed their nickname to the hipsters shortly all right so based on this extremely small sample of uh one professional game played by both orlando city and new york city uh where do you see each team finishing the year so i i did put putting my fans and my desire aside i don't think either team is going to make it to the playoffs this round um and it that's no reflection on the skill and the the talent but i think both of them had some glaring weaknesses that they saw with each other and i don't think they're the toughest competition that they're going to run into um i think you're going to start to see when they when they come into contact with some of these more experienced mls teams um they're going to get ripped wide open i think both teams uh, in different ways but but i think they both have some some serious flaws that are open there um if one of them was to make it to the playoffs at the moment i would I would put my money more on Orlando just because I think their system is a little bit more set and it's a lot more straightforward. It's just aggressive forward attacking football. Whereas I feel like for NYCFC's um, style of play, it's going to need a little bit longer and uh, it it needs more intelligence to develop. There's going to be a lot of tinkering with the lineup and a lot of, is it this player? Is it that player? Does he go at the top of the diamond? Does he go at the back of the diamond uh, before they really hit their stride? Yeah, I think you're right. I have to agree with that. I think I can see Orlando City getting to the playoffs on this team, probably based on the skill of Kaká and the speed of the other forwards and midfielders, because MLS is just traditionally a league where it's speed kills and speed wins. Um, They might not have a great record, but I can see them 
I can see them getting enough points to get to the playoffs and, and you know, maybe make something happen there. I think I think the matchup that's going to determine whether that turns out to be true and that after watching the games this weekend, I'm really excited to see is the first time that Orlando goes head to head with um, Toronto um, because Toronto perpetually a very disappointing team that always starts out with so much promise um, that has, you know, U.S. men's national team uh, captain Michael Bradley. But now they have. One of the greatest Italian players uh, in, in Giovinco, the Atomic Ant, who is incredibly <laughs> intelligent, and Josie Altidore finally being Josie Altidore, strong and you know confident in front of the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw their game, and I think that they're much, much more powerful. And I think that it, it'll be interesting to see that when Orlando, with their strong, you know, attacking play. It's another team that has a strong attacking play. Um, you know, are, are they able to stick to their plan or will it turn into kind of chaos on the field for them? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great MLS season. Uh, thanks so much for coming back on the big game, guy. Yeah, no problem. I look forward to coming on again soon so Arsenal can win some more FA Cup matches. Yeah, I'll have to have you back on in April and then in May. <laughs> that sounds like a date. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take it easy. Take it easy. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave a review if you like what you hear, or drop me a line at JethroTarget on Twitter. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game.